Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day. It is Friday, the 26th of July, 2019. Uh, And if I uh, if I know you as well as I think I know you, you are hoping uh, you're hoping to grow spiritually today. You're hoping to glorify God today. You are hoping to um, find find ways to bear positive public testimony to the reality of who God is, even in the midst of a world that uh, is not only contrary to God's purposes on many occasions, but actually just outright denies that he even is. And so how do you and I walk our faith out into the world that God so loves in a way uh, and in ways that honor Jesus? That's really, I think, the the heartbeat of the question that many of us ask uh, in and out of every single day. And we fail miserably. Let me just go ahead and say, I fail miserably. Um, I let anger get the best of me. Um, I, I'm i too quick to, this will not surprise <laughs> I'm going to confess something that you're now all going to laugh at because you're going to be like, yeah, uh, not surprising to us that she is not slow to speak. Hmm. <laughs> um, so there you go. Uh, I, I need to be quick to listen and slower to speak. That would be certainly one of, um, I need more discipline in my physical life. Like I, I just go on and on and on, like all the ways that we fail. However, in all of that, we recognize that we're in Christ, and Christ is in us, and we abide in him. And there's this ongoing—it's not just a conversation, right? This is not just a head thing. There's this ongoing transformative process that we call sanctification. It's happening right now in you. Like It is happening. It's happening. You can choose whether or not, as a Christian, you're going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit moment by moment, or you're going to resist the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you. I spent a little time last night resisting the Holy Spirit on a particular subject. Um, I knew I was wrong. It didn't really matter. I just stewed in my own anger for a while. Um, And is there anything healthy about that? No. Is there anything helpful about that? No. Uh, Is it instructive to me as a disciple? Sure. I am not as uh, sanctified as I might like um, to project and so, you know, it leads us to real confession, like a real, you know, honestly getting before the Lord in a time of prayer and just admitting just how sinful and broken we are and just how much we need his ongoing moment by moment work in our lives. And so if uh, if today when you woke up, you woke up uh, as a person who knows that there is Something that needs to be confessed to the Lord, something that needs to be confessed to another, an apology that needs to be made. Um, let me just encourage you to, you know, do quickly what you know you have to do. That's going to be uh, where I'm going to head after the show today to do what I know I should have done last night and didn't do. So there you go. Um, so there's that's what's on my agenda. Another thing on my agenda today is is to acknowledge um, and walk with those who walk today in um, a newness of grief. And so if uh, if you sort of scan the horizon of your own life, there are people who are grieving. There are people who have uh, walked 
with a person they love into the valley of the shadow of death. Um, and they have walked that person all the way to uh, heaven's door. And their loved one is now with the Lord. And guess what? They have to make that return trip. And so if there's a person in your life, and, and maybe it's you, walking today in grief, you have to walk back out of the valley of the shadow of death. That's a reference to the 23rd Psalm. You know what? When we come back from the break, I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm as a reminder to us of what that passage is all about. And we're going to talk about walking not only into the valley of the shadow of death, but walking back out of the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so the mercy of the Lord is new every morning. We know that. Um, We may smell the coffee, we may see the morning light, and we may need the newness of the mercy of the Lord in a very acute and particular way because we woke up today in a world um, where a person who we love um, is is no longer here living among us, now um, living in a newness of life with the Lord our God. Now that uh, assumes that they're a Christian. And I just acknowledge that straight out. And so, you know, don't waste any time today. (laughs) You know, no matter how you feel about being evangelical, like the term or evangelicalism in America today, don't waste any time today being evangelical, being a person who is bearing positive public witness to the reality of the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Because, you know, today's the day. We talk about today being the day the Lord has made. We talk about rejoicing in it. Today's also like the day. Like it, it, I mean, I don't know. It might be the last day. It might be the last, uh, it might be the last day for you. It certainly might be the last day for someone else. It, it, it absolutely in our encounters with other people, you know, the chance that we have is the chance that's in front of us right now, like in whatever the right now is in your divine appointments today. So capitalize um, on that. Don't, don't let that opportunity slip away. Um, because grief is real, and and the things that cause grief are real, and what causes grief is loss. And so there's all kinds of griefs that we suffer in this life. And I know you're thinking to yourself, isn't she normally talking to Matthew Hawkins right now on a Friday morning? Yes, she normally is talking to Matthew Hawkins at, on a Friday morning. But he's sick today. And so we need to pray for him that God would uh, heal his body. He's also supposed to be taking the GRE. I have no idea how he's going to do that today uh, with 101 fever. But anyway, let's pray for Matthew. Uh, lift him up to the Lord. The Lord God would heal him. So you're stuck with me this morning. Um, considering my own study of Scripture, considering where I am walking in my own life with others who are grieving, um, uh, considering my own mortality, like, right? Those are all the things that are in front of us when we turn to passages like the 23rd Psalm. Uh, and remind, reminding ourselves that the mercy of the Lord is new every morning. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, that, that is really where the conversation starts for you and I. The Lord is my shepherd. That doesn't just mean that he's fetching my snacks, right? A shepherd is one who doesn't just serve the sheep, although he does, which is a miraculous reality to consider just for a moment, 
that the uh, second member of the co-eternal trinity, Jesus the Christ, our Savior and our King, uh, condescends to serve us. That That is sh- shocking. That's just, that, that ought to be like a jaw-dropping, shocking reality when we come up against it. But he does serve us, and that is extraordinary. Um, but he shepherds us as well. And shepherds are not just those who serve. Shepherds are those who instruct and care for and guide uh, and protect. They, they go after the one that uh, is lost. All of this should uh, be stirring in your mind, those passages of Scripture related to uh, the shepherd and Jesus uh, who comes as the good shepherd. And so we turn to the 23rd Psalm. Again, this is a reference to walking in the valley of the shadow of death, and that for most of us on most days of our life, it's a round trip, right? There's only there's only one day that the valley of the shadow of death like ends at the end of the valley, like right. And if you're listening to me right now, uh, then you you you're somewhere else in the valley. You may be headed, well, we're all headed toward that day, but most of us are walking a journey of grief back out of the valley of the shadow of death after someone we have loved has died. It's a return trip. It's a round trip. And you have to walk back out of the valley of shadow of death. That is the grief process. And so I want to lift up the 23rd Psalm in that spirit today, what it looks like to walk under the lordship of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd back out of the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't live in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though, even though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm your host, Carmen LeBurge. We're having a conversation this morning uh, about death, which it's interesting because maybe we just heard this note about whether or not you have a will. And it, that's a provocative question, right? Um, do you have a will? And, and we're not just talking about like, you know, do you have a will? Do you do you possess the will to do something? No. Do you do you have a last will and a, a written down, written down last will and testament? Um, it's that is an exercise, man. That is a that is an opportunity to really like consider life and it's an opportunity to also consider your stuff, and it's an opportunity to consider your relationships. So what kind of legacy do you want to leave, and will your legacy be one of faith? I have a friend um, whose name is Jessica, whose who's grandmother, Mimi, who's been a part of my life for a really long time. Jessica and I grew up together, so Mimi is, um, you know, is a person who I knew, uh, wow, a long time ago. And, you know, and over the course of time, she has, uh, she has, laid her own husband to rest and um, and become feeble. And eventually, you know, she went to be with the Lord. But she lived, man, a really good, long, long uh, life and a life of faith. And so in in considering Mimi's things, 
right, at the end of a very long life, Mimi's things um, are not of great worldly value. But they are of really significant um, sentimental and spiritual value. And if you were to ask uh, my friend Jessica about, you know, the most treasured things that um, that Mimi has given to the generations who follow her, uh, you know, she, you talk, you're going to talk about a person of praying faith and real joy. I mean, Mimi was a person who really did um, live with a radiant joy. Um, and certainly a peace, the the peace which passes all understanding. But she also uh, was a real student of the word and a real prayer warrior. And so there's this stack of Bibles, some of which are like duct taped together. They're they're you know these are these are Bibles, the pages of which you know Mimi's precious hands turned those pages, and and her and her the eyes of her heart and her mind read those words and she prayed for people and their names are written in the margins and um these duck this pile of duct tape bibles where she just poured over them um particularly over these you know last this last decade when you know she had little else to do and and little mobility uh she prayed and she prayed the word of god and she would say you know i i know that i'm praying in the will of god if i'm praying the word of god so I'm just Pray it back to him. So if you're ever at a loss, there's a good uh, spiritual exercise. Pray the word of God back to the Lord our God. For surely uh, the word of God is within the will of God, and you'll know you're praying in his will if you're praying his word. Psalm 23 reminds us that there is a very real valley, and it's shadowy because at the end of the valley is death. And I make the observation that uh, we are all, you know, there's, there is this lifelong process of walking through the, through the, sh- the valley of the shadow of death because eventually we all die. But this valley of death process is really walking with other people to death and then walking back out of it with the Lord without that person who we so love. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about your experience of grief over the course of life and the times and the circumstances and the individuals with whom you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death to that person's death. And then the process of grief of walking back out under the lordship of Jesus Christ, um, acknowledging that which the 23rd Psalm affirms, that we do walk with one who is our shepherd. And we know by Christ's own testimony that he's a good shepherd, uh, the kind of shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, the kind of shepherd who goes after uh, the sheep that is lost. So we don't have any, there, there's nothing that we desire. I, I shall not want. There's nothing that I need to desire because Christ is all-sufficient. That He is an all-sufficient resource as you Make your way into and then back out of the valley of the shadow of death as you grieve. This next portion of the 23rd Psalm where it talks about um, the good shepherd making us to lie down in green pastures and leading us beside quiet waters and restoring our soul. These are the things um, about provision and protection and guidance and restoration that the Lord provides to us. 
this is this is what is available to you today under the lordship of Jesus Christ in the valley of the shadow of death. He will provide for you. And yes, he will make you to lie down uh, in green pastures. I think that that is a reference not only to the abundant provision that God gives us in the valley of the shadow of death, but that but that stopping stopping like lying down, you can't really lie down without stopping. So to lie down in green pastures suggests that we have to stop. Um, death ought to be some kind of stop sign for us, where we just like sober up for a moment and recognize that this life is brief. Sometimes it's very, very brief. Um, but no matter how long it is, it is, it is uh, literally like a, nanosecond in terms of eternity. You and I are going to live for all eternity. Now, there's obviously that looming question of where we're going to live and with whom we're going to live, and I will be living forever in the kingdom of heaven as a child of God, redeemed in Jesus Christ. I hope you are too, and if um, if you want to know how to do that, we would love to introduce you to the one and only Lord and Savior of all of life, and his name is Jesus. He is my Lord and my God, and he guides me, and he guides me in paths of righteousness. And why does he do that? For his own name's sake. Think about that for just a moment. It is all to the glory of God. You are being guided today by Jesus Christ as a shepherd in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, in order that others might come to know who he is. It's for his name's sake. It's for his name's sake. You may be on the road in to the valley of the shadow of death today. You may be on the road back out. Um, walk as a person uh, who walks in hope. You and I have a great testimony to share with others um, as we pray the faith, as we sing the faith, as we bear witness to the reality of who Christ is, even in the midst of the darkness of the valleys of the shadows of death of this life. And how we walk um, is a testimony and witness. How we walk in the valley is a testimony and a witness to others. And so today, um, you're walking with somebody, and others may be walking with you. You may be um, on that final leg of the journey through the valley of the shadow of death um, to meet the Lord face to face. This world may be coming more and more dim to you as the reality of the kingdom of heaven um, draws more and more near. And if that's true, then let this leg of the journey be one of peace and preparation, and joyful, hopeful expectation, and witness. Witness. Don't be afraid to share the gospel even on your very last day. All right, friends, I got to take, um, take another break. When we come back, um, I'm going to have a guest here to have a conversation with who is actively, uh, actively engaged in a really extraordinary, um, what I'm going to describe as ministry. He may not describe it as that. It is the global fight against AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria, um, and so, I mean, I know that the end of this first half hour is not quite here, but I wanted to let you know what's coming up next. So we'll be right back. All right. So this uh, question, do you have this resurrection power of Jesus living in you? I, you know, and the answer, if the answer to that question is yes, there's like literally nothing that the world can now do to you. 
Um, because in Christ, you have overcome the world. And you walk by faith in the context of a world that largely knows him not, but a world um, that is like literally ripe for, for the harvest. If you do not walk in the resurrection power of Jesus, I'm inviting you today to consider that. As, as I walk today with friends who um, are walking in the valley of the shadow of death, um, I just acknowledge how brief this life is and how urgent it is that we proclaim the reality of who Christ is and proclaim um, to those who don't know him authentically, I mean, just just to say, look, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I, I, got, I got nothing else for you. This is what I have. I got Jesus, and he's all-sufficient, and he is he is grace-embodied, he is truth-embodied, and he is available to you. Um, take what God is offering in Christ, and that is not just the forgiveness of your sins, but it's the restoration, it's the reconciliation of a relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is extraordinary, and it is newness of life. So all of that would be what I would encourage us to be full of today. Um, uh, The world thinks as Christians that we're full of a lot of other stuff, but let's be full of that today. Um, Okay, so turning uh, next in uh, in my conversation that's coming up here in just a moment, I am I am turning to a conversation with Dr. Mark Lagan. Um, he is the chief policy officer at Friends of the Global Fight Against AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria. You may say, we're not fighting any of those things. Oh, contraire. Yes, we are. And we're going to talk about uh, the pivot point that we upon which we now stand, um, not only here in America, but around the world. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. like how can I know the Bible better and how can I apply it to life? Well, if you're looking for a devotional guide to do that, um, we've got one available. It's called God Hears Her, a women's devotional giveaway. I think last month we gave away a devotional for guys. And so this month um, it's, uh, it's a women's devotional giveaway. So if you would like a copy of God Hears Her, if you would like to grow in your own um, spiritual walk with the Lord each and every day. We've got these available. So just log on to MyFaithRadio.com. I just, you know, just click on the giant banner that says God Hears Her Women's Devotional Giveaway. It's not like in a super secret place. It's just right there on the front page. So MyFaithRadio.com, sign up to get your copy of God Hears Her a Women's Devotional that we're giving away this week. All right, I'll be right back. There's a cliche that I'm sure you've heard a million times. The best things in life are free. And I would guess, like me, you'd agree with that. Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. And while it's easy to say the best things in life are free, it's tougher to make that feel real. I'm sure you want what's best for you and your family. Nice clothes, a comfortable home, safe transportation. And all of those things are just fine. But when you're tempted to buy more than you need, it can turn into a never-ending cycle of purchases. Once you get that thing you wanted, there's always another one waiting in the wings. 
So think about the most important things in your life. They probably aren't things at all. I'm most grateful for my faith, my family, and friends. Intangible things like relationships and community. When I focus on those, the things that aren't free, well, they just don't seem as important anymore. So as we uh, head into this segment, I want you to imagine for a moment that you live in a part of the world where you do not have access to all of the things that you and I here in, the, in North America have access to today. Uh, you don't have access to uh, clean water. You don't even necessarily have access to something to protect you from mosquitoes who have all kinds of nasty things you don't want, including malaria. Um, you live in a place that uh, is uh, populated by other people who um, have communicable diseases, including HIV, AIDS, and or tuberculosis, and you really don't have a way of avoiding those um, that's particularly good. And you certainly don't have access to antivirals that would help you live um, a, a life that's, that's worth living. And, um, and so what you need is an advocate, and you need an advocate that is not just a person in the first world, but you need an advocate who has the kinds of relationships and the kinds of knowledge and the kinds of, and the kind of heart to get in there and mix it up on Capitol Hill advocating for you. Now, I want you just to imagine for a moment you are a person living outside of the United States of America with no access to the kinds of things that, that you need. And you have an advocate. And, and his name is Mark Lagon. And I want you to just consider that for a moment. I want you to consider what it means for a person to advocate on Capitol Hill for people who could never do anything for him. That's my next guest. Mark is the chief policy officer at Friends of the Global Fight Against AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria. Um, his bio is really long. Um, and and very, very impressive. Let me just tell you that in the exec- in the executive branch of our government, he has served in three successive roles at the Department of State. He's been a member of the Se- Secretary of State's policy planning staff, Deputy Assistant Secretary of International Organizational Affairs, uh, Ambassador at Large, directing the office to monitor and combat trafficking in persons. Um, earlier on Capitol Hill, he was a senior staffer at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee responsible for international organizations and human rights. He has served as deputy director at the House Republican Policy Committee, on and on and on. He has written books, um, but today he and I are actually going to spend a little time talking about a book he didn't write, but one that um, he's passionate about, HIV and AIDS in 2030, A Choice Between Two Futures. Mark, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for sharing time with me. So you and I, I mean, like as I as I consider all of the things that we could be talking about and all of the urgent uh, concerns around the globe and the trafficking of persons is on that list for sure. But today we're going to focus in on something um, that you and I are both concerned and passionate about. Um, our names appear together on a, a, a signature list at something called the 2030 Collaborative. Let's start with um, telling people what that is and why uh, why your name appears at 2030collaborative.com. 2030 Collaborative is a group of people of, of faith who are concerned about the world's poor, concerned about those who don't have access to health, concerned about nutrition, um, who come together and they insist with our leaders 
those people in this messy politics of today to set aside all the rancor and make sure that the least of these, uh, as Jesus called them, um, are looked out for. Uh, Jenny Dyer in, in Nashville is the leader of this or, uh, this network, and they've stood up a lot to fight HIV/AIDS in the last few years. So I think that there are a lot of people listening who are thinking that well, HIV/AIDS, you know, that was an issue like I don't know in the eighties. Like that's not an issue anymore, right? You know, it's a really it's like a glass half full, glass half empty thing. It's amazing, but that since two thousand five, there are half the number of deaths in the world to HIV AIDS. It used to be 2 million people a year were dying in 2005, and it's under half that now. Um, But that there's still 900,000, 1 million people dying each year from AIDS means the job isn't done, and there are so many people who don't have an opportunity to thrive and apply their God-given gifts uh, if, if they're left, you know, to be ravaged by this disease. So we have this global um, we have this global fight. Some of us have kind of uh, forgotten that we were in this global fight. And so we're going to remind them of that today. Um, And we have this collaborative of people who are interested in pressing this issue and concern forward. And there's a target date of 2030. Um, And that's an interesting, you know, that's an interesting thing to consider that that's a little more than 10 years away. Like 2030 at some some way in my mind sounds like it's way in the future. And actually, it's not way in the future. It's kind of right around the corner. Um, And there are things that we need to be doing today um, in order for the story that would be told in 2030 about HIV AIDS um, to be different and so I want to um, I want to do what this book does, which is kind of uh, an imaginative exercise. So the book is HIV and AIDS in 2030, a choice between two futures. And Mark, what I really want to do is imagine um, what that what that might be like. So in 2030, we're going to imagine these two different futures, one where we've won the war on AIDS and the other where because of decisions made, let's say, in 2019, in 2030, we're going to have to say that we lost the war on AIDS. And so let's do this. What is the world like in 2030 if we lose the war on HIV AIDS? In 2030, uh, the United States uh, and its citizens are realizing that the, their brothers and sisters as children of, of, of the Lord uh, are, are not thriving. Their lives are not um, – buzzing with economic activity because we worked to save a generation of lives in Africa, and then we decided to take our foot off the gas pedal. We decided to turn our eyes away from one of the most generous and effective uh, things launched by President Bush uh, that that we've done in, in a while, and the growing youth population that had been that grew because they weren't being wiped out by having AIDS transmitted from their mothers um, because of that Bush bipartisan policy. That growing group of youth are now being once again uh, hit by by AIDS, and that a story of make, putting a dent uh, in the problem was turned around. And in particular, women and girls who are just beginning to have the opportunity with education and with uh, economic opportunity um, to have uh, lives that contribute so much 
and even to the world economy, are getting once again most uh, wiped out because they're vulnerable to men infecting them. All right. When we come back, um, Mark is going to tell us a different story. He's going to tell us the story uh, in 2030. So just a you know just a little more than 10 years out, he's going to tell us what the world is like if we win. Uh, the war on HIV AIDS, which we can do if we do some things right now today. So that story is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Mark Lagon. Uh, He is the chief policy officer at Friends of the Global Fight Against AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria. He coordinates Um, That organization's administration and congressional outreach, policy advocacy, coalition management, research content. Um, He's he's a busy guy. Uh, This organization is working with a broad coalition, um, including faith based organizations and actors, um, including the United States and and PEPFAR um, on the three biggest diseases in the world. And we're, we're focusing today on HIV AIDS. And so, Mark, tell us a story, cast the vision. Um, you know, I'm interviewing you in, 30, in 2030. I almost said 3030. That would be really projecting. Um, I'm, I'm, we're having this conversation in 2030, and you are telling me um, about, uh, about a world where we won the war on HIV AIDS. Um, sometimes doing things that are really big are only things that are in in the mind of of god but in 2030 imagine a world in which africa is not uh full of uh corruption and stalled economies that asia uh east asia uh you know is able to be um uh, fully thriving with people and we have the sense that the United States, people of faith, came together. They even rallied other people in the world to actually end the AIDS epidemic. We'd look back and see something called the Global Fund invented during the Bush era to uh, fight the AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria epidemics, something that was designed when the United States put money in it to get other countries and businesses to put money into it too, and it would be seen um, as having actually met a goal. Uh, And we'll look back to the Trump era, a moment when people were wondering um, whether the United States would be a leader in the world, and President Trump having said in the State of the Union address uh, 11 years earlier in 2019, that we would try and end AIDS as an epidemic at home and beyond. And how over the last 11 years um, people worked together uh, to, to get to that point, um, that's, that's the vision I see. And people of faith are central to it. So we, got, we want you guys to check out the global fight theglobalfight.org because at the global fight you can um you can get a lot of information uh about this tipping point moment that we are really at right now. And so Mark talk about uh, talk about that. Talk about you know where we are right now in terms of we can either take our foot off the gas and turn our attention to to other things which are, you know, of of great concern or we can 
put a, put some gas, you know, put the foot down on the accelerator and we can actually win this fight. Um, and so, you know, we talk about the tipping point. I think that's what you're trying to describe. Yeah, but exactly. Talk, so talk about the tipping point where we where we are right now. Well, there's so many things where one can spend money on bureaucracies or the U.N. or or foreign aid that doesn't work. And the United States has chosen to to try and invest in fighting pandemic disease. And again, they're half the number of deaths due to HIV AIDS that there were in 2005. Over the last 16 years or so, there are 37% fewer deaths for tuberculosis, the most likely way one dies from AIDS. And since 2000, a disease that threatens children because they are bitten by mosquitoes, malaria, deaths have gone down 60%. Shouldn't this be one of the few government programs, a few assistance programs that that we double down on? Our organization just put out a report um, with two partner organizations. It's on that website, theglobalfight.org. Report Translating Progress into Success to End the AIDS Epidemic looks at six places around the world in the United States, UK, Uganda, Malawi, Thailand, and Australia, where the AIDS epidemic has been curbed immensely. And we know that working on treatment, prevention, and thinking of those who are created in the image of the Lord, just like us, um, who are marginalized, who are uh, stigmatized, that they were helped. Um, and that's what, what we're called to do. All right, Mark, let's, um, uh, let's, let's share with folks. Let's do this. What role do you see religious people and religious institutions playing if we're going to win this, this war on HIV AIDS in the next 10 years? Um, I think it's crucial. First of all, people of faith need to speak up and uh, say that the U.S. should concentrate on on uh, the things that really matter and uh, helping um, the least of these uh, is one of them. But stigma is something important. Um, Christians, other people of faith have made sure to emphasize that everybody is of equal value and uh, has dignity. Um, I want to talk about someone I've come to know, um, Reverend Gideon Bayamagushina. And uh, Canon Gideon, Reverend Gideon, is from Uganda. He got HIV AIDS. In Uganda, people were thinking, what's with this uh, priest who himself has AIDS? And it it led them to think, goodness, you know, we, we think you know people who have have brought this curse upon themselves have been hit with aids and he has been a leader for trying to fight stigma and that's one of the messages of my friend David Barstow's book HIV and AIDS in 2030 is that we can fight that stigma and even institutions the global fund to, uh, to fight aids tuberculosis and malaria include faith groups Faith groups reach the most vulnerable in Africa. Who do you turn to? Uh, nonprofits, businesses, to reach the most vulnerable in remote places and to get them the drugs where they can actually live a full life um, with AIDS? Faith groups. Absolutely. So uh, Mark Lagon is uh, my conversation partner today. He is the chief policy officer at Friends of the Global Fight 
Um, you can check it out at theglobalfight.org. Mark, uh, I would say that for me, the and this dates me a little bit, but when Barbara Bush um, picked up and held and kissed and loved on a baby who had AIDS, for me, the, the, the stigma disappeared. Like the, and so we have to be people who incarnationally walk into the lives of people who are suffering, and then we need to allow that to be our public uh, you know, witness and testimony that, you know what, you know, this, is, this, is the Jesus, this is the Jesus move that we make into the lives of those who are suffering um, as agents of grace and ministers of reconciliation and the people who do have access to resources that they do not have access to. So thank you so much for being on the forefront of this and for joining us today here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me. We really look forward to an ongoing conversation. Yeah. All right, friends, i got to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. As we lay claim to the promises of Jesus Christ in the world today and in our own lives, let us be people who are then um, communicating, transmitting the good news of the gospel. I mean, the gospel with a big G, like the gospel as the redemptive narrative that God is writing all, uh, you know, over the course of all of human history. The gospel as the cosmological reality in which we live, this redemptive hope. You know, as you you and I look around today, we're going to see a lot of brokenness and we're going to see a lot of disease and we may see death itself. Into all of that, God speaks life. Into all of that, God speaks redemptive hope. Into all of that, the gospel moves today by the power of God's people um, deployed. That's you and me. And so today, be the gospel hope. Be the be the radiant hope. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.